Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, guys, um, guys, right off the top, want to thank everyone who came out uh, to our little meetup at uh, senior night for the women's team uh, last week. Um, really, really great time was had by all. I uh, really appreciate everyone who came by. And what a performance uh, the ladies put up. Um, we're going to talk uh, women's hoops. We got some great results out of both lacrosse and softball that we're going to hit. And then some other news and notes we'll, we'll tack on at the end of the show, like, you know, spring football or something. I don't know. But um, you know, got to start off, like, once again with, uh, with the women's team, starting up the Big Ten tournament as we're recording this on Wednesday night. They, they play Minnesota tomorrow, uh, probably today when you're – if you're listening to this the day of – if you're not listening to this the day of, you probably already know what happened, and it's already dated stuff. But no worries. Everyone who came out to watch Northwestern just put the smackdown on Purdue and send the seniors off the way they deserve. Awesome, awesome night. It was, and I think it's funny because the, the snow started to fall in the early evening, and we were thinking, oh, you know, I hope – that this weather doesn't drive down the attendance for the game because it's very deserved. And there was a really healthy crowd. I mean, I, there it could have been a larger crowd, I guess, but it was a very vocal, extremely partisan crowd. It felt like there were maybe like two or three Purdue fans in the whole stadium. Um, and yeah, it was an awesome send-off for Veronica Burton, Courtney Shaw, Sidney Wood, Jess San, San Cataldo, and, um, you know, Lauren Satterwhite, who wasn't honored, but is a graduate also. And I think, you know, was came back for another year. And that group, again, they all got a lot of playing time. It was a big night. The The send-off was fantastic. The environment was fantastic. Um, it was, yeah. I mean, from the start of the game onward, just the, the job that the athletic department, but also just all the fans in attendance did of honoring that group. And then, yeah, everything played out exactly how you'd want to. I mean, the Cats played an awesome game. Everyone got theirs. I think, you know, Burton and Shaw and Satterwhite all had phenomenal games. But even San Cataldo got a three almost right off the start of the game, right? She started, hit a three almost immediately. The place went bananas. Um, and it was just, yeah. And then the the what you always hope for in a game like this was, which was, a kind of comfortable lead late that lets you sub the group off and give them the honor that they deserve. So yeah, it was, uh, we, we couldn't have asked for a better show. It was a ton of fun. It was just a ton of fun. It, it was uh, only my second time in Welsh Ryan. The first time being for the uh, Lindsay, Lindsay Pulliam. The, we... the renovate, the renovated. Welsh yeah. Ryan. The renovated. Sorry. Yes. Um, the new Welsh Ryan is what I meant to say, but the first time was two years ago when Pulliam put up Kobe numbers on Michigan, and then uh, this was um, this was great. I feel like I got to like sit back and enjoy this one more just because like I wasn't you know like head on a swivel like taking in all the new uh, the new drapery, if you will. But um, I like this was this was a lot of fun. I think you could tell that um, I mean like the the team was dialed in just watching Burton and warmups and just how 
laser focused she is. Uh, we 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 had some fun enjoying uh, the presence of of Greg Newsom and AJ Hampton, um, aforementioned super fans uh, of the women's hoops team that were you know all over the refs on one end of the court all night, uh, which was good times. There were um, we had a great group with us as well. Special shout out to you know Nick, Aaron, uh, Jack, Clock, Cat, um, and a couple of others as well. Jason, Jason, yes. Um, so we you know. It was it was a blast. Uh, I, I you know I wish it hadn't been a snowy night. We know there's there's people that wanted to come that had to bail uh, on account of the weather, which was a bummer. But um, but this was great. Honestly, I feel like we should try to do this every year. It's just it's just such a good time. You know when we started talking about it, I like I didn't make the connection that it was going to be senior night, and it wasn't until about a week and a half prior that I realized, oh wow, this is this is going to be you know most likely unless by some miracle they, they they get a home game in the nit this is going to be burton's last game in welsh ryan and um it was great to be there for it it was fantastic to see the team play john it's funny you mentioned like yes all those seniors had a great night burton's was not exactly the way you would have drawn it up <laughs> right um she got into foul trouble early uh she had to really adjust the way she played defense which i, I get like every time i watch her play i'm taken by some other aspect of her game and at that game, especially being live for it, like she had to basically move out of the, um, you know, kind of the top of the defense role that she usually plays, uh, being on the ball almost almost all the time because of her foul trouble. She was guarding the wing, but she was just constantly shouting out directions to the rest of the defense in the blizzard, and it was it it, it was it was amazing to see her kind of will the rest of the defense from this, you know. Um, out of posi- out of her usual position spot uh, to have to have a really phenomenal night shutting down Purdue in that second half. So um, just uh, it was just it was just a, a, a joy to be there and to, to get to watch that team those specials players. Uh, Court- Courtney Shaw had an electric night. Um, she has we've talked about this a couple, last couple of weeks. Uh, you know she put up career, a career scoring uh, she had a career scoring night against Michigan and then topped that against Illinois. Uh, put up a double double. In this game, um, 15, 16 rebounds, I think, had a bunch of steals, was just taking the ball away uh, on the post-entry pass uh, every single time that Purdue attempted it. And it was it was a it was a beautiful night. It was great. And Lauren Satterwhite was just electric from beyond the arc. Yeah, she scored I mean, she, 20. She, yeah, she put up 20, led the team. Yeah, it's, it's funny, too, because... One thing that we were really struck with, and of course we should mention, right, that that subsequent to this game, Northwestern had a really rough night on the road against Nebraska to close out the regular season. And it it was a really rough shooting night for the Cats. And it's it, it's just so it's it's almost weird because you look at the lineup, you know, that's kind of like the starting lineup slash crunch time lineup that Northwestern's going to to put out there, right? And and where the buckets are going to come from. And it's you have Jillian Brown, who's a freshman, and you can see that, of course, she's going to have a massive role in this basketball team for the next three years oh, beyond this huge. year, right? Yeah. Like, huge year. And it's in this weird place right now. We've got Satterwhite outgoing, Burton outgoing, Shaw outgoing, and 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 Brown incoming. And, of course, there are a lot of other pieces, too. But it was, it's almost weird to see that they had such a cold shooting night the next game against Nebraska only because – in a night like this, when you see and Satterwhite is like she's not quite Lindsay Pulliam 
But Satterwhite has an awesome stroke. And when it's going in, it looks like she's never going to miss. She just has a great looking jump shot. And Burton, of course, is Burton. And Brown is has this ability, especially from three, has this ability to get hot. Um, and it's it's just weird in a game like Nebraska when it, it all kind of goes sideways because when it's clicking and you watch it clicking, especially, you know, us being privileged to see it up close, everything looks like it slides into place so well, specifically the fact that Northwestern's able to, able to go small and just run and swarm because Shaw is this piece where it's like she's six feet tall and able to guard players who are so much larger and watching her front these behemoths for Purdue all night and just dare them to try to throw lob passes in uh, and just like taking it away again and again. And it's, so it's like, it's this unique lineup. It's this lineup that can only exist for this year, for this specific point of time. And it's almost like this cross generational mix, right? Of like seniors and graduates and freshmen. And again, it's a bummer that it went that way against Nebraska, but at the same time, you really feel like big 10 tournament NIT and maybe, you know, knock wood, um, given, you know, if they can put in a Big Ten tournament run together, maybe an NCAA berth. But it's that kind of special thing where you feel like on the right night or the right set of nights, this team's capable of going to a place and playing a style of basketball that no team can really deal with and every team's going to have a problem with. So I, I really hope now that we got a chance to really see that up close that, um, that they're able to do that going forward and finishing out the year. It, it's tough uh, with them playing Minnesota, you know, a team that you know, they lost to uh, 74-68 uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, I believe that was the, uh, yeah, the makeup game from New Year's Eve that uh, got postponed. So revenge yeah. game is what you're saying. Yeah, revenge now it, it definitely is a revenge spot. But like, I, I remember, you know, that game, you know, coming after, you know, the big win, you know, at Penn State, the win at Purdue, like the team just felt like it was going hot. And then, you know, they went up to Minneapolis, you know, lost that game, then came back and knocked off Michigan uh, in the next game two day, two, uh, two nights later. So, you know, Minnesota uh, on Thursday, you know, you know, the winner of that goes on to play Caitlin Clark and Iowa. So, you know, we, you know, cats have played. Iowa a, really I was going to say, get us to that game. Yeah. Cats have played. Iowa really tough. Both games. Um, you know, obviously we went into uh, Carver Hawkeye and beat them there and they came in and beat us in overtime, you know, back in, uh, at Welsh Ryan arena. So, you know, one thing at a time, got to take care of Minnesota, uh, games at five thirty central on, I believe big 10 network. I think, uh, yeah, big 10 network. And yeah, hopefully, you know, they 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 got to shoot better than twenty seven percent. You know that that's just brutal uh, the shooting against Nebraska. So hopefully, you know that'll that'll come up to you know normal. Not to put the cart before the horse, I really hope they they can beat Minnesota and get to that Iowa game. I'm just saying, it, it, if she's while she's being guarded by. The three-time Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, can they bring Brian Harson on to talk about how great Caitlin Clark is in that game? <laughs> I, I'm already getting preemptively salty. I'm just like, I know she's an unbelievable player, but Caitlin Clark, Clayton Clark, Caitlin Clark. This is Veronica Burton. This is someone who won 
the Big Ten player, defensive player of the year three times and led the conference in steals the year she didn't win it. Um, it's, I mean, big, you're talking this, I mean, big, greatest Big Ten defensive player ever, probably in the conversation, right? Like if she's not, she's at least the top three. Um, and so it's just like the first team, all Big Ten, right? And Courtney Shaw got Big Ten honorable mention, but, but Burton, I mean, you'll never see a better defensive player and you, you're, you'll see very few better Northwestern basketball players ever. So give her and give this team uh, the final run they deserve. Yeah, just 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 briefly going back to Minnesota. Um, Cats lost to them in February. You'll recall that was a it was a makeup game. It was the third game that Northwestern had played in the week. They played I think Sunday, Wednesday, and then Friday night um, up in Minnesota. Lost by six. It was a game where Burton was electric, twenty seven points. Um, Cats shot thirty eight percent, thirty nine percent from the field. Um, so it was more their, their defense. They, they allowed, and Minnesota's got a lot of big, uh, front court players. And, uh, well, actually maybe not. They only, only gave up 19 to one of their forwards, but then, uh, two of Minnesota's backcourt players went for almost 20 apiece. So, um, they're going to have their work cut out from this is not going to be, you know, a gimme game. Minnesota's record is not great. Uh, but you know, I hope, hopefully, hopefully the cats will pull together. I think, I think post this game is where we really saw the potential of this women's team uh, in that, you know, the, the Michigan game, the Indiana game, uh, the play of Courtney Shaw, I thought really elevated uh, starting with that Michigan game um, down the stretch. And uh, ideally they can, they can, you know, work that formula that has been pretty effective here minus, uh, you know, kind of the fourth quarter against Indiana and that, and that second half against Nebraska. It's been awesome during the stretch run of the season, and uh, if they can carry that into the tournament, it'll be it'll it'll be a lot of fun. Let me just say, it is the ultimate sign of the respect we have for this women's basketball team, and specifically this set of seniors, that we've gone 15 minutes only talking about this team, given everything else that's happened this past week in Northwestern sports. Um, it's it has. I mean, my God, what a stacked stretch! Yeah, and and let's let's take it to softball. Um, you know, going out to California uh, in the Mary Nutter Classic, um, knocking off Washington, knocking off Oregon. Did they go out to what? Did they go out to California to claim their Pac-12 trophy? Is that what they went out there? I, to I do? think so. Yeah, yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, definitely. Um, they, they beat but, the three but, best teams in the Pac-12. Yeah, between you know the Marionetter and the week before with the with the walk off against UCLA. So yeah, there are six ranked Pac-12 teams right now in the top twenty-five. Northwestern played the best three, and to say they beat them, Danielle Williams is giving up something like 0.8 runs a game to Pac-12 teams right now. It's 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 ludicrous. the The run they went on. I mean, you could almost liken it to like a, a, an unbelievable world cup run or something where it's like, look, it didn't end with the, with the, it didn't end with a victory at the very end. And yes, the Mary Nutter ended with two, albeit very close losses on the way out. And it's like, yes, on, on one hand, yes, Northwestern softball still has to find that number two pitcher. And it's kind of a, a, a work by committee and a work in progress right now. But I mean, 
like we should be talking about anything other than that. I mean, what a run over a 10-day period to knock off the to go from unranked to 11th in the nation. And like Sam said, with all of those wins that they racked up and where these were all, again, a lot of it was on flow softball, but that's still a yeah, broadcast. We, we, we should recount yeah. it for people. Yeah, so they started off um, with a one nothing win over Oregon on Friday at noon. Um, then they came right back and beat San Diego State 7-6 to in nine innings. Uh, so had to go to extras, but uh, you know, pulled out the W there. The next uh, next afternoon, uh, 4.30 against Washington, beat them one nothing. Uh, then pretty much turned right around and played uh, Cal State Fullerton. You know, got way behind early. Like they were down seven runs and clawed back uh, to only lose by one, nine to eight. Um, you know, so that definitely shows a lot of moxie there. I mean, they could have very easily said, oh, you know, we were down seven runs. They, they, the bats woke up and they, they put it together and just ran out of time. And then on Sunday morning, um, a, a game against Texas Tech, they lost four to two, a Texas Tech team that they beaten nine to six, uh, the weekend before. So, you know, even up, evening up the uh, series with the Red Raiders. So finishing the Mary Nutter, uh, three and two. With the three wins against the three best teams, there that's that's awesome. Well, there's one other thing that that is probably important to call out, and that's that I think in that Oregon game, they won the game throwing out the tying run at home plate. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I mention that because this team is so effing exciting to watch. Oh my God. Like pe- like people, I like we, we have been imploring people to go watch Veronica Burton and, and get to enjoy her just phenomenal game on the basketball court. Like this softball team is an absolute gas to watch. Um, they, they have, John mentioned the secondary pitching, which, you know, was one of kind of our two big questions going into the year. I think the, the other one was, was getting hitting against, um, against top echelon teams. And I would say that they have gotten very timely hitting. Yeah. Uh, and clutch it, hitting, right? Yeah. That, they, now they lost that, or they won that Washington game, only won nothing. They hit the cover off the ball in that game. It just, it was a lot of balls right at people, right? Which, I mean, that happens in softball. But point is like this, this team has so much potential, especially as, you know, we're, we're, we're not Big Ten season yet. They've got the Southern Illinois Invitational this weekend, the Missouri tournament after that, and then March 25th, Big Ten play starts against Michigan State. I think uh, Michigan comes to town the first weekend of April, and that's going to be a probably a top ten matchup. Um, and and I would say uh, pencil in either April 2nd or April 3rd. I'm planning to go to one of those two games. Um, you know, wait to see you know, what it is as we get a little bit closer. But yeah, I mean to have a potential top 10 matchup, like you said, against Michigan, damn well sure I'm going to be there. It's just so much fun. And like, and you see them taking a, a game late against Oklahoma State. Now they, they ultimately lost that, but against top talent, like this team has looked looked great across the board. And then the Fullerton game that John that John talked about, like they were down and clawed back. Like they had the, the tying runner on second base in the sixth inning. Like, like it just doesn't get more exciting than this. And like, if you, if you are a sports fan, like, like you will love this shit. Like, like dive in folks. I mean, it's, it's so crazy. So 
you've there are so many multiple pieces to this and right it's like it sounds hyperbolic but if you're not in we can't oversell the amount of magic that has already happened in this season to put it in perspective like if you look at every wildcat who regularly plays and is in the lineup game to game i can tell you not only that each one of them has had a clutch play i can tell you what it was <laughs> like like rachel lewis right had hit a couple of the biggest bombs you'll ever see she had one that was such a rocket um in that i think it was it was the well the the what was the winning home run in the washington game um she cranked it so hard and she's a lefty and she pulled it so hard that it reminded us of the Glen Allen Hill hit for the for the Chicago Cubs when he put it on the roof across the field from Wrigley. Um and and then if, if you, if you don't remember that you should go Google that. I think yeah. I think John was well, that we have a, was that like our sophomore a, year in, in college? It was. And we have a we had we put up a gif of it like with it spliced with Rachel Lewis's home run, it's like the same thing. It's hilarious. And then she hit a home run in the next game too. And then was such a cl- – and it's like that's one. Jordan Rudd, right, ends a game with her bat, ends a game with her glove. Back-to-back games, right? Um, Angela Zedak, that ridiculous hose on that Oregon play to win the game, right? Um, and, you know, and then I'll just – let me just throw out one more. Oh, yeah, Maeve Nelson hitting a walk-off home run to beat UCLA. <laughs> I mean, it's like it, – like, it's it's ridiculous. It's, it's like a season's so, worth of highlights in two and a half in weeks. two weeks. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's ludicrous. And the thing is, okay, do the Cats have someone batting 400? No, they don't. But they've got a couple hot bats overall, like Skylar Schellmeyer, for example. And overall, the hitting, which again – all they've done is just gone into the teeth of just the toughest teams in the country for the past two weeks. And hey, John, John, she may not be hitting 400. She's hitting 360. Right. And yeah. Rachel Lewis is hitting 357. Right. So like- exactly. And, and the thing is, these are all really hard teams. Like, and again, not to like, not to do a jinx or something, but I mean, again, previous, the past couple big 10 seasons have shown that like top to bottom, the big 10 is not at the quality that, has shown up in the past couple these two tournaments and so has the hitting gone to another stratosphere no but overall it's gotten better it's been so ludicrously clutch and then danielle williams has gone to that next place i don't know what to say about someone who's been one of the greatest northwestern softball players ever since she set on field on on campus but i mean she she pitched against the best three teams in the Pac-12. And and she average... actually she actually pitched in all five games. Yeah. At the Mary Nutter. Yeah. And she I mean she pitched two top ten. I mean she she beat UCLA, but then pitched against the two other top ten Pac-12 teams and didn't allow a run. I mean I like yeah it's that issue across going deep into like the the College World Series or a tournament etc. You need a little bit more depth in pitching. Northwestern's still working that out. You can't prove to me, there's no proof, that with Danielle Williams on the mound, Northwestern's not the best softball team in the country. We have yet to be proven otherwise. All we've seen is Northwestern be unbelievable in those situations. So it's, yeah, get your asses out to Drysdale Field as soon as this team gets back. And like Sam said, if we can go 
to those April games were going. But those April 1 through 3 against Michigan, three days, three games against Michigan, um, the other top 25 ranked team in the Big Ten. I mean, get out to those games. It's seven flipping bucks to go see this team of heroes. Like, I mean, I, yeah, this is, it's awesome. I mean, what a freaking stretch for Northwestern sports right now. And, and just to go back to, to Williams, I'm looking at her stat line. 59 innings pitched, 0.95 ERA, 0.69 whip, <laughs> batting average against 141. I mean, Again, uh, 192 at bats, 80 strikeouts. And she's faced four top 10 teams right. Washington, Oregon, the, UCLA, and, and Oklahoma State. The other thing we should talk about, too, is I don't know if, know if we've ever really gone super deep on this, but Danielle Williams is not out there going gas, gas, gas. There's a lot more like Greg Maddox in what she's doing. She's just someone who can throw multiple awesome pitches and locate her pitches exactly where she wants to and give you heat if you need it and give you change up if you need change up. She's just a ridiculous pitcher. <laughs> if anyone on the softball team is listening, like currently is listening to us, they're like, Greg Maddox, Glenn Allen Hill. What the hell? Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> who, who are these effing guys? <laughs> Once upon a time, there were these players. Uh, no, yeah, but for, yeah, right, exactly. For you fuddy-duddies like us, then you'll know. Just like location, right? She's got all the tools, can put her pitch where she wants it, can give you what, I mean, just, she's a perfect pitcher. And with her on the mound, Northwestern, with this kind of hitting, is always going to be in it. So it's weird because now they've got, um, uh, th- you know, this next tournament that they're playing is not <laughs> nearly the stratospheric caliber of competition they've had up to this point and then into the Big Ten season. But they have staked their claim for sure. Yeah, they won't play a ranked team again until they face Michigan, I think. Uh, is Stanford ranked? Probably. I don't I don't believe so oh, okay. because I think I checked the whole Pac-12 rankings, and I don't think they're part of that. Yeah, but so this upcoming weekend, Friday, they play Northern Kentucky. Um, Saturday, Murray State. Saturday, Southern Illinois, and then Ball State and Northern Kentucky again on Sunday. So we were laughing about this. We don't actually have this confirmed, but... Jordan Rudd's sister, Alexis Rudd, plays for SIU. And I believe, and again, this is not confirmed. We've heard this from people. The part of the reason Northwestern is going to this SIU tournament, I mean, again, it's it's a scheduling thing. I'm sure they're trying to play tournaments. But there's that cool piece of um, the two Rudd sisters being able to play against each other and that that's potentially part of the impetus for Northwestern to play in this tournament. The reason I bring it up is Scuzz just listed all the other tournaments in the, all the other teams in this tournament. It's like SIU got handed a lottery ticket because all of a sudden Northwestern's coming down there too and being like, yeah, we have Northern Kentucky and we have this team that's beaten the three best teams in the Pac-12 coming to play in our tournament. So, um, but suddenly that's that's Northwestern's the, the hot ticket. So, so get yours. Go out to Drysdale Field and uh, and watch this team. It's going to be awesome. Or if you find yourself in Carbondale, Illinois this weekend, you know. Yeah, right. Taking some softball. Or Columbia, Missouri on the weekend of March 18th, 19th, and 20th, where they're going to take on Ball State, Missouri, Ball State again, Missouri again, and Stanford. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's like this is – it's it's so funny because in a little bit we're going to pivot to yet another team, and it's just like – 
Northwestern women's sports right now are so absolutely dialed in. It's just a privilege to, to be able to just, just so it's just a lot of flipping fun. And uh, yeah, so it's awesome. Yeah. Well, you pretty much just teed me up uh, for that pivot. <laughs> um, yeah. Lacrosse. Ooh, Nelly. Oh, I, boy. I mean, it's it's so funny. It's almost like lacrosse had to do a hold my beer after they watched softball. <laughs> yes. And we're like, we're, <laughs> we're getting in on this. Yeah. Uh, an overtime thriller over Syracuse, the team that knocked him out of the Final Four last year. Um, you know, after you know giving up a lead in the third quarter, uh, getting outscored eight to two, making a, a furious comeback uh, to, to tie it up late, and then you know for Lauren Gilbert to win it on a on a free position in overtime, after Jill Girardi just owned draw control, uh, you know throughout the the second half and especially the fourth quarter, and you know winning that overtime draw control, um, getting possession in, in a sudden death situation that's everything. And then for Gilbert to get the free position, I mean, it was just like, this is it. Boom, done. Game over. Yeah, I I, I also want to call out um, that, what, six days prior to playing Syracuse, they went to Notre Dame, uh, who was ranked, I think still ranked at the time, but went to Notre Dame, a tough a tough opponent and a tough place to play and pulled out a one goal win there as well. Um, in, res- in front of a, in front of a purple clad Brandon, Joseph, yeah, a purple clad Brandon out. Joseph. Yeah. Um, digging into the stats a little bit, like, like draw controls have been, have been the absolute key. And we talked about this coming into the season. Uh, the cats got 21 of those in both of the last two games for comparison, the one loss they have against Boston college, they only had 10 draw controls. Now, some of that is going to go to pace of game and, amount of scoring and all those other sorts of things, but you're seeing like, like you're seeing the tenacity of this team. And I like, we got to shout out Lauren Gilbert too, who was just electric. Um, yeah. Against, you know, score. like, I would say doing her best Izzy Skane impression, but she's doing her best Lauren Gilbert impersonation. Like, let's be honest. Like she was a scoring machine last year. Uh, she has not, she has not lost step on that. She's got, um, uh, 22 goals now, and seven against Syracuse. seven against Syracuse. I believe six against Notre Dame. I could have that wrong. I'm kind of furiously trying to look up the stats here as we're as we're talking, but um, has become obvious the obvious focal point of the offense. And then, yeah, the draw controls and the defense, like like in the middle of that Syracuse game, Syracuse coming out of halftime stage to real comeback. Northwestern was really struggling with turnovers. Um. And then Syracuse had adapted, you know, their their approach on the offensive end, and Northwestern's defense was trying to, you know, figure it out, and obviously eventually did. But there are going to be moments where this team um, struggles because, you know, they they do have some youth. You know, not not having Skane, their best player, is certainly a hit. Uh, we we talked about the other scores that were lost uh, coming into this season. That the midfield is still intact, but there's there's going to be moments where. Um, they are going to have to figure it out and to see them in these high leverage situations against big time teams like Notre Dame and Syracuse, not only figuring it out, but pulling out the win in a tight, tight setting. Like that's just awesome. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, this team was down three goals to the number three team in the country 
with three minutes and 24 seconds left in this game, and they won. Got, got to shout out Madison Doucette for making a save late to keep the Cats within one. Um, you know, a, a goal there probably puts it away for Syracuse, and uh, the save that she made was gorgeous. And they turned it right around, came back, and uh, tied it up. Right. And and not to give, because I don't think it's certainly on Twitter, we probably didn't give enough enough shouts to Jill Girardi, who, you know, you mentioned already, but was phenomenal in this game. And, I mean, it's this Northwestern, as you'd expect for a team that is shortly going to be a top three team in the country. Um, you'd expect to have a deep team and they do have a deep team and yes they're still figuring things out we talked about it last week such a deep team yet losing arguably the best player in the country and how do you adjust that Girardi had an an awesome game phenomenal game all the way through which is to say for that somehow to I don't want to say be overshadowed but Lauren Gilbert's Superman act, Superwoman act at the end of this game was just ludicrous. Um, I mean, the final four were Gilbert Girardi, Gilbert Gilbert. And um, you're talking Gilbert scores with 55 seconds left to tie this game and then scores the winner in in a raucous uh, Fitzcarlton out on the lake. And it was just, we were joking. It's like, you know, Lauren, don't don't burn that building down. They just built it, but that's where they were. So, and it, it's so funny because it just fits so well with these ludicrous softball games that we've watched and the way they've gone, and just this absolute hero ball they played to dig themselves back out of this one. So, like Scuzz said, it it's not just that they won; it's how they won, and we're the kind of thing where it's like, if a team can do this, what can't they do? Well, they've got North Carolina on the road, number yeah, yeah. number two North Carolina on the road uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, that's going to be lit. Um, it's a that's a it's a tall order to that's come to come off this emotional OT win against against Syracuse and uh, and and have to travel out to UNC. But um, you know, you would have said the same thing coming off the win at Notre Dame. So um, it's a great opportunity for the Cats. We'll see how they do. So, um, you know. Definitely, there's not much to say about men's basketball. Uh, wash, rinse, repeat. Basically, listen to any of the last podcasts we we had and just run it back because that's what the team is doing, just running back the same, exact same thing game after game. Um, I'd, I'd go – I mean, I'd go farther. I mean, I'd say arguably, right, they're playing their worst basketball of the season right now, um, which the team racked up – a lot of losses earlier in the season. There were a lot of close losses, et cetera. But I mean, the the wheels have have come off a little bit, the, which the, is there's a there's. I mean, the guys know that they that they. It's rough. It's just rough. They, yeah. Like they 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 kind of hit the point where it's not meaningful basketball anymore, right? Like like we were saying after um, I forget what game it was. Um, we were saying like the last five games of this of the season. Maybe it was after beating Indiana. I, I, I just can't remember. Um, but they were going to get to play meaningful basketball down the stretch to try and earn a postseason appear, uh, appearance. And um, they had that really rough loss to Penn State. Um, things did not go well against Nebraska the other night, and it's pretty clear, like, this this bus, the wheels are off, and it has grounded out. And the guys know it, and it's, it's a bummer for them. Um, but – 
it 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 looks especially rough right now and you know john and i just continue to go back and forth on text being yeah, like I, we we all believe that this collins era has been like extremely flawed um you know the the question now is what do they do and 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 we'll just have to wait till the end of the season to to find out um except i think we already know the answer yeah well well I, i'm worried that we already know I, the answer. i know i well so first of all so skies you said nebraska or i think you meant iowa um the cat's Thank, thank God for Nebraska existing, because that's where two of Northwestern's wins are from. Um, Iowa, though, pretty handled them, you know, handily. I think, I don't know what the final score was, but it was... 82-61. Yeah, and, and it didn't feel that close, right? I think it was 41 So So, so it, was, it was the Penn State game that, that was like the nail in the right. coffin. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But, you know, so on one hand, I get it. I mean, I, I know that the overall sentiment is still that he that Collins probably stays and but I mean it's funny I mean we talked when Northwestern had five games left on Twitter kind of mapped out scenarios look five out of five this probably goes one out of five he should clearly be fired everything four out of five three out of five two out of five dealer's choice right well we're staring one out of five in the face right now if Northwestern doesn't beat Minnesota um and again it's like ultimately we when you know we we thoroughly discussed this before but we don't know we're gonna find out we don't know what's in the mind of of dr greg right now and we're gonna see i think the one thing that that we should say it's a bummer and it, it is what it is right is that this is this is senior night coming up for ryan greer but especially pete nance right and we've you know you juxtapose it with the amount of fanfare everyone and, and, and us in particular gave to the women's team and that senior night, et cetera. And of course, Nance has been quite a visible figure for four years at Northwestern, right? He was a super visible figure from the moment he committed to Northwestern, right? And how big a deal that was and everything. And, and it hasn't gone the way that he or anyone else would have liked. And now you get to the point where this is his night and this is Greer's night and it's their night to be honored. And Elijah Williams also. And um, it's, 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 it just stinks, you know, because it's like, you know, go out. If you're available to go, go to the game, give him the send off that he earns. I mean, he's a great guy who's busted his butt, you know, Nance in particular, given 110% effort his entire career. Right. And it just hasn't gone the way that we all wish that it could have gone. Right. But it's important to just recognize that, right. Like this is, um, this is an important senior night for a lot of these guys and they deserve a good send off. And then off into the big 10 tournament, we'll go and we'll see what they can do. And uh, finally, before we go, um, I, I did mention this off the top, but spring football practices have begun. Um, no news coming out of spring ball. Uh, you know, I would be surprised if we got any tidbits of anything. Holinsky um, number change is the only thing I've seen thus far. Oh, what what he, what he changed He's to? Going to from three to twelve, I think, or from twelve Nine, to eight, from twelve to three. Twelve, twelve to three. Probably I think. twelve to three. Yeah, twelve to three. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I I think I was, riveting stuff here, folks. Yeah, no, there's there's really not much. I mean the. I, I'd be surprised if Cam Porter was playing in this spring. I, I wouldn't imagine we we're going to see him back till the summer. But you know, just kind of thinking ahead, and you know how deep that running back stable is going to be this upcoming season. Um, you know, bringing back Hull and Claire and Tyus, and with Porter back, and then Joseph Hyman as well. 
coming into the mix. You know, that's those five backs who can absolutely carry the rock. You know, that that's something to kind of look forward to. Right. And it's funny because obviously in in years past, certainly toward, you know, I guess if we were going to go back to the start of this pod, right, many years ago, um, this that would be the like we might have led with the start of spring practice in 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 other pods in other years. Right. And it's just like the this just isn't that kind of year. I mean, there's so much else going on right now. Yeah, we know that there's a whole portion of you who are like, you know, I'm here. I'm here for spring practice. I'm here for football talk. There will be plenty of time for all of that. Um, you know, first of all, later in the spring, certainly. And if any news comes across, then then we'll get to it. But you know, we've got all summer and all fall to go knee deep into football. This is not the time for that right now. No, absolutely. We should mention though, really quickly, um, Jeremy Larkin, right? Uh, Nor- a Northwestern graduate now has his first job in. Um, in college football, right? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's confirmed, but it definitely all signs are pointing to uh, to Larkin I, getting a job. I don't know that it's paid. Like, do grad assistants get paid? Did I say paid? They have I, to. I mean, have to. I mean, his first official job in college football um, is at some school that's nearby. Who 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 can even say what the name of that school is? But I'm sure it's really no. He's he's we think, or at least signs point to that he's going to be. I guess a, a grad assistant at Notre Dame. And I'd say the biggest thing about that is I think we all firmly expect that this is the start of a coaching journey for Jeremy Larkin that is going to climb the highest peaks. Um, and that I think this is, again, this is the first of what will probably be many increasingly significant jobs Jeremy Larkin has as a college football coach. So best of luck to him. Yeah, we certainly hope that that's the case. Uh, anything else to mention before we get out of here tonight, guys? Just once again, just that it's been just an unbelievable week and a half to two weeks for Northwestern sports, specifically women's basketball, uh, lacrosse, and so- and softball, especially this magical run softball's been on. And just if you can, go watch these teams. I mean, I know it sounds like obvious to say, but not just to like quote unquote support the team, but just because like do yourselves a favor, like the level that these teams are playing at and the opportunity you have for ludicrously low money to go and just be up close to all this and experience it for yourself just go do it like do it for yourself yeah if you like sports and you like northwestern like this is yeah this isn't this is an easy good time and uh, with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Pirates. Email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.